0: Welcome to the In Camera Review Podcast. Mike, Matt, and Logan, we are lawyers talking about movies. Each week, we pick a movie, an actor, and a year. And for that year, we look at the Best Picture nominees and which movie took home the gold. This week, we will be looking at Goodfellas, Joe Pesci, and 2003. That was the 75th Academy Awards. The winner that year was Chicago. Chicago. The also-rans were Gangs of New York, The Hours, The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, and The Pianist. But first, when we come back, we will be talking about the movie Goodfellas.
1: Funny how? I mean, what's
0: funny about that? Tommy, no, you got it
1: all wrong. Oh, oh, Anthony. He's a big boy. He knows what he said. What'd you say? Funny how? What? Just, you know, you're you're funny. (laughs) You mean, let so, I me mean, I understand this, because you know, maybe it's me, I'm a little fucked up, maybe. But I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you. I make you laugh, I'm here to fucking amuse you. What do you mean funny? Funny how? How am I funny? I'm not just, you know how you tell a story, what? No, no, I don't know, you said it. How do I know? You said I'm funny. How the fuck am I funny? What the fuck is so funny about me? Tell me.
0: Joe Pesci and Ray Liotta in a scene from Goodfellas, directed by Marty Scorsese. Matt, let's get right into it. Catch the listeners up on what we've been talking about for the last 10 years or so.
2: We have an ongoing argument between the three of us, uh, which is what is the better movie, Goodfellas and The Departed. Not only is Goodfellas better than The Departed, I I think it's the best movie I've ever seen. I rewatched it this week. Start to finish. Then I watched half of it again. I challenge you, Mike, because I know you're on the other side of this, to pick out a flaw in that movie. Because though I love The Departed, and I love it, I love it, and I know you didn't want to get into this, but I'm sorry, we have to. I can think of like five to six flaws in The Departed. Five to six, and it's still a five star movie. Now, getting into Goodfellas, it's essentially ad-libbed. I mean, the we were just talking off the air uh, about Curb Your Enthusiasm. And this this is very similar. I, I, I can't begin to tell you uh, how similar it is. I mean, I can think of four scenes that were completely and totally ad-libbed. Restaurant scene with the copa. Wedding scene might have been a little bit rehearsed. The women's makeup party, um, the leader of the pack, the time when they're playing cards. I mean, these these are all ad lib scenes where they just put the guys in a
1: room and said, go. It's still the gold standard, right? Like it is, as far as movies go, it is by far the gold standard. I have watched the movie more times than I should probably say in public. It never gets old to me. And I, I appreciate different scenes all the time. Um, I certainly remember like the the conversation, it, like it's come up in other movies, right? So like in the movie Swingers, they're having like an in-depth discussion about the lighting that Scorsese did for the scene where Ray Liotta walks his future wife through the back, you know, the back halls and under the restaurant to get into the Copa. Right.
2: That's, that's what I'm talking about. The the lighting for something like that, it, all that technical work, he just got the talent in there and said, you guys do what you want. He trusted them. He'd already worked with De Niro on a number of occasions, probably, I don't and, know, three or four times by that time. And, um, and, and he worked with Pesci at Raging Bull.
1: I also think he gets the most out of Ray Leota. It's, I mean, Ray is fantastic in the movie and yeah. um,
2: Logan, what else is he fantastic in? Copland? That's about it. That's all I can think of. I mean, the greatest tragedy, this, I'm so glad you brought it up. The greatest tragedy in Hollywood is that Ray Liotta's career essentially ended after Goodfellas and think about how many actors Scorsese works with on more than one occasion and Ray is only in that something had to have happened, you know. Yeah. And I and since then I've been watching like YouTube interviews with him, and I think he might be kind of a cocksucker. Um, <laughs> just I mean, he was on Jimmy Kimmel, and just some of the the answers yeah, to the questions were pretty pretty curt. He hasn't done shit. Some of the things he's been in, he's been good, but I feel like we just like him only because he was in that movie. And if he, was he wasn't really... in that movie. We might not like
1: him. And he was fantastic in it. He did do a nice job in that Chantix commercial for quitting smoking or whatever. He yeah, yeah, he did. He did. I mean, he's wearing
2: makeup and, you know, I mean, he was in those tequila commercials too.
0: So you, 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 you called me out there in your, your opening statement uh, to, uh, to come up with any flaw for, for good And. Oh, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on.
2: Cause I know what you're going to say. I'm sorry. Right. i to say it's because I'm, I meant to put it in here. At the start of all of this, I used to believe that Goodfellas got a strike because they had a narrator. Okay, right. the reason why I came up with that is because I I feel I was immature. I'd either just read an article about having a narrator is weak, or I just saw the movie adaptation starring Nick Cage, which which brought that up about a narrator. I subtracted points against Goodfellas and and gave them on to The Departed. But just, since watching it. There is no, no comparison to the actor's chemistry and dynamics in both those movies.
0: So this was actually one of the things I mentioned last week about High Fidelity. That uh, th- a lot of the criticism that comes out on that movie is because uh, John Cusack breaks the fourth wall and essentially acts as the narrator. And it's a very elementary way of adapting the book because it's almost verbatim what's in the book. One of the things I was gonna say was that I actually think Marty Scorsese's best movie and one of the best movies is actually Raging Bull. It does not have a narrator. It's based off of Jake LaMotta's autobiography. He doesn't use a narrator. He doesn't need one because his actors communicate the story. I think the worst scene in Goodfellas is when he gets off the stand and talks. Didn't matter.
2: Didn't mean anything. When I was broke, I would go out and rob some more. We ran everything. We paid off cops. We paid off lawyers. We paid off judges. Everybody had their hands out.
0: Everything was for the taking. And now it's all over.
1: Oh. And
0: walks in the courtroom. And here's, and here's what I'll say, because what Scorsese is doing, I get why he did it. It's, he did it for the same reason that the movie is massively popular. And that's because he took what was spaghetti and marinara and he wanted to franchise it and have everybody watch it. And so he gave you egg noodles and ketchup, which is what that scene is no if way you, if you watch if you watch Marty Scorsese when he is doing exactly what he wants to do being using all of his talent instead of just trying to appease what focus groups and studio people say audiences want to hear <laughs> you know,
1: too far it's, he uses narration in so many of his movies. So many of his movies are unbelievable. Ration. Oh, Hold on, hold on.
0: So, so Raging Bull is his best movie because it is authentic and it is, it, like I said, it utilizes his talent. Goodfellas is chintzy because it's meant to sell something and it's, it's, not, it's not a great movie in the sense of what he's capable of. It's not his best work. Watch Raging Bull. You'll see what I mean.
1: It's, he uses narration in so much. Wolf of Wall Street, Gangs of New York. The departed there's parts parts of it that are narrated the irishman like all of his critically acclaimed movies he's got narration in portions of it it's how he progresses the story he try the story in goodfellas in part why i think he had to use narration is because it covers huge time period and and so you have to fast forward the audience through some of that or whatever with narration I'm not a big fan of narration. Like Matt said, I, you know, I struggle with this because I do. I still think Go- Goodfellas is the gold standard. I wish that there would have been maybe less narration than there is, because I think there's a ton of stuff that overdoes the narration. I will watch Regine Paul, but I'm not even remotely close to prepared that say that he's selling stuff. To be
0: clear, though, what I'm saying is that he was trying to make it more palatable to the masses to get more people to watch it. Not that he was selling something in particular, but that he was trying to appeal to a broader audience.
1: That scene at the end where he breaks the sort of the fourth dimension, it's the end of the movie, right? Like, it doesn't matter anymore. It just, like, the the whole everything else has been so good, and he kind of leaves you with this, like chuckle about how it all turned out I, I'm fine with it I, I think it's I, I uh, love it I mean I, I, I love think it I think, the cap at the end I think Scorsese kind of isn't
2: given enough credit for being as creative and using as many different mechanisms that he has and, and, and he does and he uses them in all of his movies and he's and he's very liberal about it and if he wants to try something he's going to do it whether it's in Goodfellas or whether it's in um, The Departed or the opening uh, episode of Boardwalk Empire. Do you remember um, in both The Departed and Boardwalk Empire? There's, let's start with um, Departed. Matt Damon's walking it down like a, um, he's like in an open courtyard and the lens closes in. He does that again in the opening scene of Boardwalk Empire cut at the end I think he was just having some fun with it and and wanted to see how it worked out I don't think he was being um driven by any um you know Hollywood producer on that I think he pretty much had carte blanche at that at that point and that's what he decided he wanted to do back to the narration though I think that might be a method in which he gets the best out of his players because they know what the scene is he'll put uh, as I was saying to Logan He puts in all the technical work for the Wander through the Copacabana. Um, The lighting's everywhere, uh, the lighting in the restaurants. And then they narrate as to what the theme is here. And then he just lets them go with it. The whole thing was ad-libbed. I mean, it was just, it was about 10 ad-libbed scenes that was brought together by a narration. And half the time, some of the comedy comes from what the narrator says, and how it was actually perceived on the screen. I thought that's great. Very similar to True Detective, right? Narrator says one thing, how, how it actually plays out is different. So I don't well, know here's the nice.
0: thing, though. The first thing about the narrator, though, is, is that you can't deny that it's excessive. It's, it's throughout the whole movie. It's not, it's not just a segment filler that lets you, allows you to transition. It's the story. It's the device of the story from the beginning to the end. The second thing about the narration is I disagree with you that it gets the best from his players because De Niro and Pesci are both in Raging Bull and they're both better in Raging Bull than they are in Goodfellas. And it's 10 years before this, that story moves along, that story covers that guy's whole life from the time that he's a kid up until he's a retired boxer who owns a comedy store type bar restaurant and, he, and De Niro gains 60 pounds to play that part of the role. Back when nobody was doing that, the perform- and, De- and I'll point out, De Niro won the Academy Award for Best Actor for that, and he earned every bit of it. It's the best performance of his career. Raging Bull is his best movie. It shows that when Marty Scorsese sits down and says, I want to make a perfect movie that's just for me, to the full availing of my talent, he doesn't need a narrator. And he only does it because he wants to appeal to a broader audience, because guess what? Nobody saw Raging Bull. I haven't. <laughs> exactly.
1: I, I will, and it's,
0: and it's a better movie than Goodfellas.
1: But before we put a pin in this whole discussion, I would be kind of curious as to to know how many movies at the Goodfellas level had narration in them before Goodfellas, pushing the boundaries already by doing the narration in Goodfellas, and everyone else has copied him since then.
2: You know, to Mike's point, I, I think. At that stage in in Hollywood, a lot of three- to four-star movies had a narrator. Steven Spielberg movies, like, um...
0: So my curveball for the evening is is that it's not so much that The Good good Goodfellas is better than Departed, it's that Marty Scorsese's best movie is Raging Bull. When we come back, we will be talking about Joe Pesci. You really let this girl ruin your life. Look at you. She really did some job on you. You know how fucking nuts you are? Look what she did
1: to you. You fucked my wife. What? You fuck my wife. How could you ask me a question like that?
0: How could you ask me? I'm your brother. You ask me that? Where do you get your balls big enough to ask me that? Joe Pesci and Robert De Niro in 1980's Raging Bowl, directed by Marty Scorsese. The reason why I chose Joe Pesci was I really liked our discussions about the Irishman, about both Pesci and Pacino. I realized I was in, uh, the only one in the camp of that it was probably Pacino's best performance in The Irishman. And rather than have me talk about Pacino's best performance being in the Irishman again, um, which you guys didn't really agree with because you guys are not as big Pacino fans as I am. I do remember that both of you thought that Pesci stole the show many times in the Irishman. And so I thought his career was better of a collective look back.
2: I agree with you. I thought Al Pacino was phenomenal in... The Irishman, I think it's the best thing I've seen him in in 20
0: years. The reason why I watch Raging Bull is that really is the beginning of Pesci's career. That This is the beginning of the character that he plays in Goodfellas and Casino and The Irishman. He is not the lead. He is supporting, fiery. Spolotra, I think, is a little different in Casino where he's just a madman. I mean, he just he said he was doing this for back home, but really he was popping people's eyes out with vices because it was fun. And that's what that character wanted to do. That's why Pesci does not like his career and why he retired and why he tried to do so many different things. Scorsese loved him in Raging Bull, and he just wanted him there because Scorsese and de Niro all they want to do is talk about what it was like to be in the 1950s and '60s in New York, where you rode public transportation and you thought about what the bus driver's life was like in a Bronx tale.
2: <laughs> he's in that too.
0: Yeah. And he's got a great little cameo in it. But I I think that is the tragedy of Joe Pesci's career is that he did such a good job in Raging Bull. Scorsese loves to use actors repeat. And that was basically all the guy could do to the point where he's got to do, you know, movies like Lethal Weapon is like the comic relief. Home Alone. I mean, and the thing is, is I mean, that, he had to
1: make a lot of money off Home, home Alone. Sure. Was probably very good to him. Yeah, he made so much money off those movies, and he's actually very good in the comedic role too. I think he has more range than people give him credit for.
0: And that's and that's precisely my point. I feel like I feel like that guy. You, you could probably go back over the last forty years and pick roles and say, you know what, Joe Pesci could have done that role. Um, I think
2: the David Ferry role was probably pretty hard.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing is that that's, that's an ensemble cast, 10 other big name actors in the movie. Big name. Big right. Name. And, and so it's, it's hard to stand out in a, in a three and a half hour ensemble cast, you know, his, I think it's probably his first leading role of any significance that wasn't, you know, a Scorsese picture was my cousin, Vinny, which of course he's outstanding in Marissa Tomei is the one that won the Academy award. He didn't even get nominated.
1: Are you sure? I'm positive.
0: How could you be so sure? Because there is no way that
1: these tire marks were made by a 64 Buick Skylock. These marks were made by a 1963 Pontiac Tempest.
2: Objection, Your Honor. Can we clarify to the court whether the witness is stating
0: opinion or fact? This is your opinion?
1: It's a fact.
0: (laughs) And it's like, no, and, and that's just to me, I find Joe Pesci's career to be very tragic because he's so talented. He's so versatile. He's so good. I, it's like I, I love the fact that he came back for The Irishman, and and it's a mobster movie, and his roles were nothing like Raging Bull, Goodfellas, or Casino. Totally different.
1: You know, as you were talking, Mike, Joe Pesci is Scottie Pippen. Two, man. He is the one of the best number two that you can find. The dude does everything you have to do to make a great, great movie. He is much better. As the number two, and I like it. Didn't dawn on me until you were talking about it, but the your comment about the Marissa Tomei thing—he elevates everybody else. He elevates Macaulay Culkin. Daniel Stern. Daniel Stern's pretty good though, Logan. He's a he's a Pesci in his own right. So you know, <laughs> right. He might not be Pippy Pippin, He might be like Joe Dumars, Okay, but I mean. Amazing in his own right, right? Like one of the one of the greatest, just great performances, great movies, all that kind of stuff. That's what I'm gonna compare him to. I don't think his career is a tragedy.
0: No, I, I I think his career is tragic.
1: I don't know if
2: I agree with that. Like if, if I'm gonna compare him to somebody, I'm gonna compare him to kind of like McConaughey or Woody Harrelson. And when McConaughey decided to make a run at being considered a serious actor, he was probably advised stop fucking around, you're from Texas, do movies that take place in Texas. You know how they talk, you know how they act, you know what their intuition is. Still gonna be interesting to people. I think the same thing is true for Pesci, except it's just New York City, right? And New York City Italians, and he could play the hothead, but he can also play the very reserved, mild-mannered, you know, capo or boss. He also was in casino, might not be noticeable. that he, he does do a Chicago accent in that. And he changes his accent up from, there's some similarity, some pesci everything else in there. He's, he's doing it with, a, with an accent. He holds his, his, and he doesn't do them in the other ones. And, and I was like, man, you know what? He puts the work in.
0: Number one, I think that Goodfellas, or as I'll call it, Raging Bull Part 2,
2: Okay, okay,
0: okay. <laughs> that was where people really noticed Joe Pesci, which is why he won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor in that movie. His mistake, though, and he should have never done it, and Mario's and an apology, he should have never done Casino. Agreed. Because, because that's, that solidified the, the, the Scottie Pippen-esque character that he has, and the, and the true, I mean, if his name is in the, def- in, in the definition of typecasting. And it's not fair, because he's so much more than that. Is, do you
2: think Scotty Pippen? It's okay to be Scottie Pippen, man. It is a yeah. okay to be Scottie Pippen. I would yes. kill, kill to be. If someone was like that guy's, that guy's like Pippen, I'd be like, oh mm-hmm. sure, yeah.
0: yeah. But, but here's, but here's the thing. If that's the best you can do, great. But that's not. He could have done his own thing and done his own movie. So, for yeah, example, he did.
2: he did the Harvard, movie. It was I, the Harvard movie.
0: Thank you for the segue because that's where I was going. I subjectively no always love the movie with honors no i mean seriously every ah. time every time brendan Fraser pulls out thing, he's like who will graduate life with honor and without regret <laughs> <laughs> and then like you got like you know the crazy scene with uh you know is the president a king a democratically elected king and like
1: President isn't an elected king, no matter how many bombs he can drop, because the crude constitution doesn't trust him. He's a servant of the people. He's a bum. Okay, Mr. Pitcannon. He's just a bum.
0: I'm a bum and like just all this stuff. And it's terrible. It doesn't work. But if you said, hey, it's the 90s. We got Madonna doing the soundtrack. We got Brendan Fasher. We got Patrick Dempsey and Joe Pesci what do you say everybody's in they're invested in that green and white and and to me i just that's the tragic nature of his career is that that was really the first time he ever had a leading role that was dramatic that was not that was outside of scorsese land
2: you know what i heard was a heartbreaker for him was the movie about him taking pictures um it came out right after he played like a paparazzi in the in
0: a period piece the public eye correct
2: I think he put a lot of work in on that. Um,
0: and yeah. 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 So he shouldn't have done. He shouldn't have done Casino, although he's great in it, and nobody else could do that role but him.
1: Nobody. But he is. He is spitting image of Spolotro. So uncanny how and, close they look.
0: But people look at that role and they think oh, it's just the same character from Goodfellas, right? That's what people believe.
1: Yeah, but then I mean, then he does a bunch of the comedy comedy stuff, like Lethal Weapons, and plays a completely different character.
0: The funny guy scene from Goodfellas, it's the, and he sells it, it so much. It, and that's the thing to me; nobody else could do that scene. It's iconic. It's one of the most iconic scenes in the movie. Every, common quote from Goodfellas is "Funny guy," right? Like I'm a clown, like I amuse you.
2: Honestly, so that's why I picked is because it doesn't have that iconic line in it. As much as I, and I agree with Logan was the scene where they're playing cards after jimmy decides that he's going to kill right it's it's real 30 to 40 seconds long and it's just almost another extension of you know telling this story and everybody's just kind of laughing and the way it rolls off of his tongue so before before it gets to the funny guy scene the story he's telling and the manner in which he's telling it, it it's so natural it's so good it has to be true. I and mean, part of me wonders whether, whether a guy's acting or not. I think he acts at, at points. But when he's telling that story, how physical he is, telling the story about, like, Jimmy's, Jimmy's doing this. And I'm like, don't look behind me. Don't, ah, ah, don't say it. Like, I mean, that's it's dynamite, man. It, it's dynamite. It just it rolls off his tongue. It's so natural. It's like guys drinking at a bar bullshitting. It, it's so good to me.
1: I compare a lot of those scenes to the porch scene in My Cousin Vinny when she's, when Marissa Tome's stomping her foot and he explodes, right? And it just kind of rolls off, but he's like, let me think, what else? And he's doing the facial expressions and everything. Right, what else right. can we possibly pile on? Yeah. But he, he just has that ability to just bring it all together in one scene. It's amazing.
0: You, you know I, I love about My Cousin Vinny? It's not even the courtroom scene. It's when he goes into the uh, Getting the fight with the guy at the pool hall. He's like, oh, that's your counteroffer. See, I'm a lawyer. We call that a counteroffer. He's like, let's say I was that, kick the M11 shit out of you. <laughs> Making fun of himself by beating him up through the whole movie in this, like, irreverent way, because he's known for beating up people in a very serious way, you know? Right, right. Go well, gonna... Please
1: out your questions to a counsel. You're
2: not my council. I want
1: my money back.
2: It's not your money. Are
1: you sorry, dear? I'm sorry. Sorry, I got caught. Oh, hey,
2: Miss Sunshine, not now, Rox. I got a letter from a guy. He says that he's going on a hunger strike
1: until I'm free.
0: That's nice. Miss Baxter, did you you
1: know these two ladies personally?
0: Did I know these two ladies personally? Was that your question?
1: Yeah, that's my (sighs) question.
0: A clip from the movie Chicago, directed by Rob Marshall. Based on the musical of the same name, starring Renee Zellweger, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Richard Gere, Queen Latifah, John C. Riley, and Lucy Liu. All right, Logan, take us back to 2003, my friend.
1: Yeah, this week's... Best Picture Year was 2003. The movie Chicago musical won the Best Picture. The other nominees were The Gangs of New York, The Hours, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, and The Pianist. Now, just a couple other notes about this year is that Adrian Brody wins Best Actor for The Pianist in a surprise over Daniel Day-Lewis for Gangs of New York. And over Jack Nicholson, obviously two big heavyweights in the category. And I think it was Brody's first nomination. Polanski won Best Director for The Pianist.
2: Standing
1: ovation. Standing (laughs) ovation. And then Hollywood. Oh, my God. So a a few other movies that came out that obviously didn't get nominated. Road to Perdition, Born Identity.
2: Great movie.
1: Punch Drunk Love also came out. I will posit to you guys my winner for that year, which also didn't get nominated, but which I think is one of maybe the best movies I've ever seen. It's certainly in, the, it's certainly in my top 20, which is The City of God. If you guys haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. That movie is phenomenal came out in 2002 it should have been nominated it didn't even get nominated for best foreign films it's the one in, in Rio Brazil and in the year that it comes out and it comes out in 2002 it does not get nominated for the 03 award ceremony but that movie should have won in my opinion that movie is awesome
0: I agree with you that's that's a fantastic movie I was blown away it, the first time I saw it it, it. it really
2: is it really is like, that was actually one of the first foreign movies I watched I remember like I wouldn't even I wouldn't it felt go weird there to like watch one that and Maria full of grace which i think was maybe the year after that jack nicholson it was something's gotta give which was essentially as good as it gets part two
1: i will kick us off again i think the question is was chicago obviously the worthy of winning best picture given the other nominees i will i'll just flat out say it i'm not a fan of musicals it's just it's just not something that i like the best musical i've ever seen still to date is the movie nine with daniel day lewis and all the women I, think it was, I thought it was phenomenal, but Daniel Day is very good. He plays Guido Cortini. I tried to watch Chicago. I've tried to get through it. I've started it like four times, and I can't get through it. I've, just, I've seen Lord of the Rings. I've seen The Hours. I've obviously seen Gangs, Gangs of New York. Never did The Pianist. Of those five movies, I would put Gangs of New York on the top of that list. I still think City of, City of God should have been nominated and won. So
0: I saw Chicago in the theaters. I thought it was a great movie. I happen to be a fan of musicals. Thoroughly enjoyed it. It's a glorified remake. Chicago and the music and stuff has been around forever. Yeah, Hugh Jackman was great in Les Mis, but it's not going to win Best Picture because it shouldn't. Musicals have a ceiling, and unless you're talking about people doing original things like... Frankly, the movie Moana is one of the most original movies I've ever seen, particularly when it comes to music. That is worthy of a lot more recognition to me than Chicago because it's talent. It's crea- it's creative. All they did was teach a bunch of rich actors who didn't have anything to do music and songs that had already been written. Gangs of New York, to me, is one of my favorite movies. The flaw that ruins that movie is Cameron Diaz. That's reason enough for it not to be best picture.
1: That's universally
2: known, understood, and and accepted. I'll generally
1: agree on that point. That's why it's, you know, for me, it's not like a hard, gangs got robbed. I think Daniel Day got robbed. Fear, the spectacle of fearsome
0: acts. Somebody steals from me. I cut off his hands. He offends me. I cut out his tongue. He rises against me. I cut off his head, stick it on a pike. Raise it high up so all on the streets can see. That's what preserves the order of things. But Daniel Day got robbed. Absolutely. And so I, we'll, we'll leave that one in the grace on favor of the Lord. The Hours, look, I mean, it's 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 a it's an indie flick. It's good. The Hours is, that was the one we talked about in Meryl Streep and Stephen Daldry. Remember we talked about him? He got nominated for Best Director. We
2: talked about him three times in a row. We love that guy. Apparently, <laughs>
0: he comes out of nowhere. The, the whole Lord of the Rings... Just put them all into one movie and just call the whole thing the best picture of some period of time.
2: That's what they did. That's what they did. They didn't give it to, because it, it was so good and new and different right. for the and first I, one. And they were like, and they were already in the, they were, all three of them were already in the can. They were just like, fuck it, we can't, we can't, we can't right. give it to them. We can't give it to them three years in a row.
0: Because honestly, the, the best ones, the first one, Fellowship of the Ring is the, is the best one.
2: One, three, two.
0: I, I agree with you. Pianist, it's Polanski's best movie. It's an amazing movie. It's extraordinarily well done. It has an intensely good period piece vibe that I don't think anybody has come close to doing, uh, except for a few scenes in Saving Private Ryan, comes close to the kind of period piece, things they were doing. But the whole thing has like a a Mad Men feel to it, um, as far as the, the authenticity of that. Adrian Brody's phenomenal in it. And again, this is a theme for me. If you can be one one character on the screen for longer than 10 or 15 minutes and not have a word of dialogue, and you're keeping people's interest, it's very impressive. And this guy is like, he's his own Anne Frank. He's hiding by himself from the Nazis for most of the movie. It's very good. It's his best performance. It's Polanski's best movie. I think that one deserved to win.
1: Over, Over City of God if it was in there.
0: Wouldn't it just be best foreign language film? At, at least it would have been until Parasite changed that, right?
1: They could, yeah, they could have put it in Best Picture before now, right? Yeah, I mean, they do yeah. what they
2: want to do whenever they want to do it. They, they give Roman Polanski a standing ovation when he wins and doesn't show up, and then they say you can't release Roman Polanski's new movie uh, in the United States anymore because they just they do with it whatever they want to. I, I listened to a podcast... Uh, but it's it's mentioned that Polanski is is a monster, just just a a total monster. That that what happened in um, at that party, for which he was found convicted of stat rape and sodomy, um, is not an isolated incident. Um, but that being put to the side, they're not releasing his movies anymore. In this, I like Polanski's movies, though, man. You know, I mean, um, but. You know, Polanski. Uh, Chinatown is one of my favorites. You know, yeah. The Pianist. Logan is probably better than City of God. Okay, I'm still going to give it to Chicago, guys, because wow. because I I love a musical, and um, I get that it's a remake. Logan, the director of Chicago, also directed Nine. Um, you know, and. I thought it was extremely entertaining and extremely well done. I didn't know Richard Gere had it in him. I didn't know any of those
0: actresses. I I mean... You mean he had the hamster in him? What's that? You didn't know that he had the hamster in him? (laughs) Um,
2: The... the. <laughs> um Catherine Zeta Jones, that dance scene. I mean, she was just, they were just very well done, very entertaining. I had never seen um the the musical on stage. I hadn't heard the music before. I was kind of not interested in watching it. I don't think I watched it until after it received the Academy Award. And it was one of those things where I was like, totally get it. Totally get it. You know? Um so you know that being said i'm I'm going to agree with the academy for the one and only time, and you know we we'll, we'll go there
1: we We found it we found the year two thousand and three academy right. Awards, yeah, uh, but I only agreed um seventeen years later yeah it do- doesn't happen very often uh or maybe ever well, I thought it was an interesting year. I thought there was a lot of discussion points you know
0: I really did love that uh that song in that movie of the uh he had a coming.
2: Where they kill other husbands? Yeah. Oh, man. Even Queen Latifah's scene was great. Great.
0: When you're good to mama, she'll get hot for you. When we come back, we'll be making our picks for next week.
1: You really believe this story? Osama bin Laden? Yeah. What convinced you? Her confidence.
2: There's a 60% probability...
0: He's there. I'd say it's a soft 60, sir.
2: It's
1: 100%. You'll never find him. Let, let's do Zero Dark Thirty.
2: I was we'll sitting next to you when we watched it. <laughs> Eight years I ago. I
1: watched it like 10 times since then, but yeah. I'll probably watch it. Honestly, I think I, I think I bought it.
0: On Prime already. I think that was money well spent. Matt, tell us who our actor is for next week.
1: So
2: I'm I'm torn. Um, looking for a little bit of help from from the crowd. Um, nah, you know what? I'm just going to pull the trigger on it. It. I want it. I'm not going to keep it. Scorsese. I want it. I want to move it, but I want it to be a smoother transition. Um, and I want to test this theory that we had about whether or not a, a person, a certain type of actor can can act in, in the Marvel world. And so I'm gonna go with Liam Neeson because I, I really think that Logan, me and you had some really good dialogue going and then Logan just like punched us in the nuts and was like, he was in <laughs> Star Wars and Batman. And we were like, but, 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 uh, so, you know, I want Liam Meeson to see what it actually is. What kind of actor is Liam Neeson? I think you know,
0: it's a great um,
1: point. A Great choice.
0: For the Best Picture segment for next week, um, I am surprised going with 1980, where the nominees were Ordinary People, which was uh, directed by Robert Redford. Coal Miner's Daughter, directed by Michael Apted. He uh, directed one of the worst Bond movies of all time, called The World Is Not Enough. The Elephant Man, directed by my boy, David Lynch. Tess, directed by Roman Polanski. And Raging Bull. So, yeah, so 1980, obviously, I will be arguing that Raging Bull should have won that year.
2: Ordinary People won,
0: right? Correct.
2: Oh, throw down,
0: brother. Okay. Yeah, it'd help if you watch it.
1: No. Nope. <laughs> 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 hit us with that closing music all right in camera review see Number ya one.